Yeah, I, I, I gotta be honest. I was not, uh, I don't think I was here in Canada for it, but also like, I'm not interested in watching curling in August, but, uh, who knows, you know, I do watch a lot of baseball. So if there was some curling on TV, probably, probably <laughs> I'd switch it at the, at in between the innings, you know? Right. Yeah. So, uh, so congratulations to all those teams, Scott, we missed a lot of news over the course of the summer and nothing really earth shattering in the world of curling or at least Canadian curling, but of the stories that did come out, I mean, I think we we've already talked about the new Olympic qualification process here in Canada, a couple minor lineup changes potentially after the last time we recorded, but Scott, what would you say is the biggest piece of news that we have not discussed during our hiatus? It would probably be Darren Moulding leaving it, in my mind, just because of where it puts that team, uh, that team Horgan, they made the playoffs last year at the, at the Briar and were sort of up and coming still are up and coming. Right. But that veteran voice, uh, tended in my mind, gave them a bit, uh, of a leg up with Tanner, just being able to focus on throwing those four stones. So to me, that's a big deal in the sense that the, the top, three teams in Canada on the men's side are probably very clearly Gushu, Botcher, and Dunstone in whatever order you decide. And then the fight for fourth place is, is what's next on that. So uh, I, I thought that Team Horgan would be like positioned to be in that conversation for this quad. Maybe they still will be, but uh, I think that's the biggest story. Uh, Rachel Holman having another baby, so maybe you know she plays well after having a baby and uh it's a watch out world here comes uh rachel holman supercharged again all right so in full disclosure my internet crapped out so if there was a hard edit there that's why there was a hard edit there but yes scott rachel holman and husband sean did welcome their third son to the family so congratulations to them that means that we get some heather nettowin on our tvs and just for fun they went out and won the first event of the season with Heather Nedowin playing skip. We will never say no to a Heather Nedowin TV game. Yeah. So yeah, those lineup changes are probably the biggest news that we haven't talked about so far on the show. Another piece of news, Scott, that we don't know what it is yet as we record this on Thursday night, but the Briar has a new title sponsor. We just don't know who it is curling Canada in their teaser use the word smoky to tease it. And I don't really know exactly what that means. I kind of hope it's like a whiskey, like a nice smoked whiskey sort of thing. I joked on what we formerly called Twitter that it'd be great if it means it was sponsored by a magician. Ooh, like a little David Just. Blaine. <laughs> illusionist yeah yeah nevin mentioned that on he replied he said oh david blaine the david blaine briar and his trick could be that he's under the ice the whole time remember when he yeah. did that Times yeah, square yeah, whatever yeah. was in the box he could just be under the ice the whole Ooh. time so by the time most people are listening to this you will know who the title sponsor is we as yet do not scott do you have any guesses on what smoky could possibly mean sean i all i can think is montana's smokehouse and grill you know uh all all you can eat ribs 
sponsoring the event. Yeah. Uh, I can picture us going there and, you know, uh, underneath where the media goes, there's always donuts and coffee. I think this time it's going to be yeah. uh, ribs everywhere. Just, just ribs. Yeah. Oh, delicious. Okay. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Nice. I wondered if it could be the Salmon Fishers Association of BC wow. and it's just smoked salmon all the time. Like, Oof. Yeah, that uh, no that would be also good. Also good. Uh, a lot of smoked yeah. salmon. Yeah. So uh, so we will see, as we say, by the time most people are listening to this, we will know who the title sponsor of the Briar is. Also, Curling Canada did release a announcement today of a new under 15 event called under or u25 rock fest this is a series of events that's going to take place over three days with various forms of competitions there's going to be singles triples uh, development clinics some off-ice activities and of course the golden rock fest so a lot of cool stuff going on here steve laycock is a u15 coach a 10-time briar competitor he is involved in this, and these are going to be done regionally. So you have the West, which is Alberta, British Columbia, Yukon, Northwest Territories, the prairies of Saskatchewan and Manitoba, and then you have Central Ontario, Quebec, and then the East Coast. There are some dates already listed for the spring, but if you have anybody in your family who is under the age of 15 who might want to participate in this, does sound like some fun events. So uh, be sure to check those out. Yeah. Yeah. Check them out. There's uh, info on the Curling Canada website right now. Yeah. And we've talked about how we want Curling Canada to invest in the grassroots level. This is a good way to do it. Good start. Yeah. Good start. Scott, uh, we will turn our attention now to this upcoming season. Something that we like to do every year is look at team schedules and how various squads are putting together their falls into January. Cause really that's when the choice of scheduling changes for most of the teams, because you go into your provincial playdowns. And I will say, we're talking in the Canadian context here, teams go into their provincial playdowns if they're playing in them, then Scotty's Briar. And then if they qualify, of course, for the worlds and then the, the two slams after that. So where they have leeway tends to be in the fall in the first week or so of mm -hmm. January. And this year, in looking at the schedules, we wanted to see what, if any, impact the new Briar and Scotty's qualification process had. So if you haven't heard or don't remember, moving forward, three teams will be the wild cards at the Briar and the Scotties. That's going to be the same structurally, three wild cards. But instead of being decided after the provincial playdowns, they are going to be decided prior to the season starting based on points from the previous season. So the top three teams in CTRS points who didn't win the Scotties or the Briar the year before will get the three wildcard spots off the top of the season with the idea being that those teams don't have to chase points over the course of the season. They can focus more on building towards those events in the hope that one of the four, if you include the national champions, will win the event and therefore be better prepared for the world. I think this is the ultimate theory from Curling Canada. This year, slightly different in that they've only picked two because it's a new system. So they're going to let teams qualify off of this year's points. So heading into the season 
It is Brendan Botcher and Matt Dunstone on the men's side. Jennifer Jones, Rachel Holman on the women's side are your qualifiers, along with the defending champions, Brad Gushu and Carrie Anderson, respectively. So we wanted to see what impact this would have. So we've looked at the schedules for the two defending champions, two teams that haven't qualified, but you would expect to see at the Briar and Scotties, and two young up-and-coming teams to see how they have set their schedules for the fall through the early winter. And Scott, on first blush, I think this new rule has a bit of an impact. Yeah, I think it's uh, starting to accomplish what Curling Canada wants, which I think we've all we all kind of identified as it being we want one of the top five teams in our country to win the national championship. Yeah. Right. That they don't want a Michelle Englott coming out of nowhere to win the national. I mean, they'll take it if the story is good. Right. Yep. Uh, you know, a, a team PEI uh, from a few years ago with Kathy O'Rourke coming out of nowhere, seemingly to make it to the final. But the, the ideal is that they want the best teams in the country to be best positioned to win these events. And they feel that by doing, by, by, having them not have to focus on qualifying for the events, they'll be able to focus on preparing for the events. We'll see if that, uh, you know, if the truth plays out, if the correlation is there. Um, but yeah, in looking at the schedules of different teams, the, 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 the teams that have already qualified can basically play in the events that will help them tune up for the nationals. They don't have to worry about scheduling around uh, provincial championships the the teams that are likely to get there through their province or maybe that third wild card spot uh, they still have to chase points a little bit to be eligible for that third spot but uh, they're really building towards the provincial championships and then the other teams that are i would say less likely to win their province are really really just pushing for points yeah so we'll and like you said sean next year the, you the qualifiers will be based on this year's points yeah so even if you're not chasing points this year you still want to get enough such that you can be in position for an automatic berth next season yeah so that's i think one of the things that's kind of unsaid here is that if you're not chasing points this season or teams who are chasing points this season could potentially get those spots for next year. So could this be somehow self-defeating in a way that next year it'll be teams who are purely chasing points this season who get those automatic spots? I don't know. We'll have to see how it plays out. But certainly when you look at the younger teams who we're going to look at here, they're chasing points. They're out playing a lot. Now, part of that too is the reality of when you're younger – if you have good sponsors and you have the opportunities and life allows it, and when you're younger, in general, you might have a little more flexibility lifestyle-wise, you can go and play yeah. a lot more, and it's part of the development process. So there, there is that part of it as well. Not pure point chasing, but a lot of it is is point chasing. So And, and oh, the reality is, too, that the events that you can qualify for don't earn you as many points. Yeah, that's true. Uh, at that level. So you do need to play more events to be able to accrue 
the same number of points as a team playing in, say, exclusively Grand Slam events. Yes, uh, that is very true. And if you're only playing in the Grand Slam, Grand Slam events, you got to have some results in order to keep those yeah. spots moving forward. And uh, and I, certainly For that's sure. the expectation of the top team. So let's start with our defending <clears throat> champions. And let's start on the women's side with Team Anerson. Scott, they have already played one event as we sit here and discuss. They played in the Savile shootout this past weekend. That is the event that Rachel Holman won. But otherwise, Scott, they are not planning, according to their team published schedule, on playing a non-television, non-arena event for the rest of the season. So they're going to play in the points bet in Oakville in a couple weeks. And then all the slams. So they got the Challenge, the National, the Masters, the Canadian Open, the Scotties in February. Then, of course, if they qualify, the Women's World Curling Championship as well. And then, of course, the Players and the Champions Cup in the spring. Now, they have not posted the Pan-Continental Curling Championship on their schedule. They are the representative of Canada for that event. So we can Mm -hmm. add that on there. But Scott, that is another arena televised event that's taking place at the end of October into the early part of November out in Kelowna. So when you look at Team Anderson overall, you have the one Spiel event and then five other events. So six in total, five of which are on TV, or excuse me, six uh, TV events when you include the Pan-Continental leading into those Scotties yeah. Tournament of Hearts. Yeah, and this is the the sort of right that this team has earned, right? Um, they have won three Scotties in a row, four Scotties in a row now. I, it's hard to count. Because 2021, uh, who knows? But they're really good at yeah. curling. So... Yeah, they don't need to prove anything. Uh, they've got funding guaranteed for this year and probably for next year, to be honest. But uh, they they can sit back, take advantage of the televised events, uh, make money that way by, through their sponsors and through the prize money, excuse me. And uh, just basically, this, this is sort of the litmus test case for, is this going to be a better way to prepare for the Scotties than has been their route in previous years. Already, they didn't play as many events as some other teams, but they would play more events in the fall than this. So yeah. we'll see. And also, it's it's an important year for the quad, but it's not the most important year for the quad. And Brienne just had a baby. Uh, I'm, I'm sure that they, they wouldn't mind taking like a little breather, yep. if you can call like only playing in televised championship level events a breather. But uh, they've earned the right to do so, yep. and the schedule bears it out. Yeah, it's interesting, too, to think there, Scott, that when you think back to their first season together in twenty, the fall of 2018, I think it was, that by Thanksgiving, it seemed like they had won six events, <laughs> and that's kind of all they're playing this year. Yeah. So it is a significant change for this team. But as you said, they had earned it. One of the things I'm always curious about with the defending champs is what are they going to do from the time between that last slam and the national championships? A little different, Mm -hmm. Scotty's to Briar, because it's a two-week difference 
between the start times. So the, the Scotty is being first, yeah. of course. This team has decided not to put anything on the schedule. So when we look at Gushu, you could see that they've decided to do things a little differently in the new year, but that's certainly their right. And if, if they feel like getting prepped at home, practicing is the way to go. It's really hard to challenge them on that because, as you said, they've won four straight. And who knows? Maybe they would call up Tabitha Peterson or somebody and say, hey, like, come on up. Let's have some games and play and, or, or not or whatever. So uh, they do have some options available to them. For sure. For sure. And you're right. It's only like probably three weeks from the end of the Grand Slam to the start of the Scotties. So it's not a it's not like it's a huge, huge gap. Yeah. So, yeah, the last Grand Slam, the championship Sunday is the 21st of January and the Scotties kicks off on February the 16th. So just, yeah, a little over uh, about three and a half weeks there. Yeah. 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 So, Scott, let's shift over to the men's champion, Team Gushu. They have not started their season as yet, but very similar schedule to Team Anderson with a couple of exceptions. So they're going to play in the Shorty Jenkins Classic, which is back. It was gone for a year or two. It is back now in Cornwall, Ontario, somewhat local for us here in Ottawa. Then they're going to play in the points bet down in Oakville. Then the Tour Challenge. They do have the Pan Continental Championship on their schedule. The National. Then they're going to Japan in early December for the Karuzawa International before coming back for the Masters. And the other event that kind of stands out on their schedule is the Aztec Safety Challenge. You'll see that event on some other schedules as well. So that seems like a bigger club spiel. It's taking place at a curling club as opposed to arena, but a lot of teams are going to be there out in Lloyd Minster from January the 10th to the 14th, which leads right in to the Canadian Open that kicks off on January the 16th in Red Deer. So not a long distance to go. So it seems like the folks out there in Lloyd Minster have done a good job of getting teams in to kind of kick off the rest from the holiday break before that Canadian Open. And then, of course, the Briar the first week of March. So, Scott, couple more events than Team Anderson here. A little more than what we saw them play last year, where they took a lot of time off at the start of the season, really eased their way into it. But like Kerry Anderson, Brad, Gush, Brad Gushu has kind of earned the right to set his own schedule. But I will say I'm a little surprised. This is more than I expected from them. Yeah, it's a little more than I expected too. Um, just given that uh, I want the age of, <laughs> of the team, um, being of that age too, uh, I, you know, but the Kurzawa international, I feel like this is a bit of a prestigious one and, uh, they like to play it. Uh, I, I believe they've played in it before. Yeah. They've been to Japan before. Yeah. For, for that event. Yeah. So, uh, a, a sort of a bigger profile one for curling in Japan. So, for them to, you know, be able to go and sort of represent themselves to another curling base, another uh, pretty good curling country there, uh, it makes a lot of sense for them and their sponsors. Mm-hmm. Then 
the the Aztec safety challenge. Yeah, this is a a new bond spiel, and Team Botcher is the presenting team for this. So it's like a Botcher organized a kind of spiel, and it it is like you say geared towards those teams that are coming to Red Deer for the Canadian Open anyway. Right. So let's do a, a, a spiel beforehand in a curling club uh, that where they can bring the best teams in the world uh, and just do sort of like a mini grand slam. Sure. Sure. Yeah. yeah. And why not? Right. Like you can set it up, you can do it, go for it. Right. Yeah, no, absolutely. So uh, yeah. So like those two are the ones that sort of stick out, but uh, otherwise pr- pretty much what you'd expect. Yeah, so overall they're playing in nine events before the Briar. So a couple more than Team Anderson, but you can see again, volume wise, not onerous by any means. Not too much travel outside of the event in Japan, and they're used to having to go to Central and Western Canada. So not mm-hmm. uh, not too bad there for those guys. Now, now notice, Sean, we we talked about the gap between the Open and the National Championships, and for this one. Mm-hmm. Finishes January twenty first, March first is the start of the Briar this yeah. year. So, it's uh, it's quite a long yeah. layoff. Um, we'll see if that uh, if that affects them in any way. I I don't think it will, but uh, a bit longer than you'd expect. Yeah, maybe Greg Smith will be getting a call for uh, some games out for there. The Bally Haley. Uh, some some stuff. Uh, or, of course, Gushu's daughter is playing at a national level now, so she can give him some games. Like, she, he doesn't even need to call yeah. outside the house no to get some, some good games, right? Absolutely. Yeah. No, uh, no slouch there, for sure. All right, so let's move on now to two teams that we would expect to see at the Scotties and Briar, respectively, but do not have their spots booked. Let's start again on the women's side, and let's talk about Caitlin Laws and her team. This, of course, is a very good team in a loaded province. So, Scott, when we look at the team laws schedule, it's not super busy, but a couple more events than what Carrie Anderson has chosen to play in. So they played in that Savile shootout this past weekend. Nothing on the docket until the points bet in a couple weeks. And then they have the three grand slam events uh, excuse me uh after the points bet then they have the players open in dundas ontario so they're sticking around here in southern ontario then they have the tour challenge to the national the two grand slam events in december they've added the red deer curling classic and the western showdown out in swift current the former being in the latter part of november and the Western Showdown in Swift Current in December from the 7th to the 10th. That leads in to the Masters, the other Grand Slam events, from the 12th to the 17th of December. Then they're off until the Canadian Open. And, of course, this team has to qualify through the Manitoba Provincials, which this year are going to be in lovely Morden, Manitoba, from January 23rd to the 28th. So Scott, you can see that they have their eyes on those same grand slam events, but they have added, if I count this right, one, two, three, four, four, uh, four club type events four cash meals on their circuit. Whereas Carrie Anderson only had one. 
Yeah. So th this seems to me, Sean, like uh, more of what we're used to seeing from uh, these teams in past years, right? Stacking the deck with events early in the season to uh, make money, mm -hmm. to get points, to qualify for future events, especially for more uh, Grand Slam of curling events. Uh, this team is good enough. I don't think that they'll need to rely on those points to get into uh, the Grand Slam events. They should do well enough in those events themselves to uh, be able to keep going. But it is th this is sort of what you expect of a team that you know doesn't have an automatic berth in nationals. Yeah. So they're gearing everything towards the fall with then your your break over the holidays come out with the grand slam uh, with the grand slam and red deer and then roll that into provincials the next week. Yeah. So if, and if you look at, so let's say they qualify out of the Manitoba provincials, they will have played in 10 events. Carrie Anderson will have played in six. So that's going to be somewhere in the range of what, 20 to 30 games, depending on how deep they go in some of those events. That's a, a pretty significant difference in terms of the wear and tear on the body and just sort of where you are now some could argue that that's a good thing that you're more mm -hmm. sort of tuned in but at the same time it's a long season it can really wear on you so this is where i think this difference will be interesting to see and, and one year isn't going to be enough but over time if this trend continues where the defending champions do pull back a little more it, it'll just be something to keep an eye on. another thing to watch at the national championships yeah, and I mean, another thing is that this team is relatively new playing together, yeah. right? And they only played half the season together uh, last year. And then it wasn't even I think it was half less, the season yeah, because then Selena was off, right? Yeah, Caitlin was away at the beginning and then Selena was off at the end. So yeah, it's it, it makes sense to me that they would schedule more events in the fall to continue to build that team dynamic and, and see how it goes. Yeah, so... Very exciting to see this team's schedule. Another team that I think a lot of folks have their eyes on over on the men's side because of a big addition to the lineup, that, of course, being Brad Jacobs, it is Team Carruthers. So they released their schedule, and they've already played an event. They played in the Stew Cells Oakville Tankard this past weekend. Then they are going to play in that Shorty Jenkins right before the Points Bet International going uh, Oakville, Cornwall, Oakville for their first three events. Then they have the Grand Slam in Niagara Falls in the middle of October. They are playing in the Sioux Curlers Fall Classic in Sioux St. Marie. I think that one might have been a contractual obligation for Brad Jacobs saying, hey, everyone, you got, you got to come to me for, for this one. So uh, kind of an easy sell on that one for Jacobs, uh, at least. And then, of course, the National and then one that we see very frequently, Scott, the New Floors Penticton Curling Classic, the end of November into early December. A lot of teams historically have played in that event. Carruthers is going back to it this year. Then the Masters rounds out their 2023 schedule in January, they are going to play in that Aztec Safety Challenge out in Lloyd Minster, as you mentioned, hosted by Team Botcher before the Canadian Open there in Red Deer, and then the Viterra Championship, the Manitoba Men's Provincials, is in Stonewall, Manitoba in early February. So, Scott, I counted 10 events pre-provincials for this team 
So if they get into the briar, they will have played 11 events. So you're probably looking in the range of somewhere, again, depending on results, 50 to 70 games. Yeah. Probably on the higher side because they're so good. Yeah, probably in in that range. And uh, yeah, this is like a lot, uh, like five events before the end of October. Yeah. Um, you know, it's it's quite a bit early. And it makes a lot of sense, given that they have to integrate a new team member. No matter how good that team member is, it's always good to just play more uh, when you have a new teammate. Uh, and we'll see what happens. The the Penticton Curling Classic, you're right. This is like a mini Grand Slam almost uh, at this point. Uh, we won't see Gushu there because they're going to be in Japan that week, but uh, a pretty stacked field for sure for that event. Um, yeah, so this is like similar to what we said with Team Laws. This is a team that uh, wants to get more games under their belt to play together. They want to earn more points to be able to requalify for grand slams and they want to put themselves in position for next year's points uh births into the briar yeah but that's a lot of games to to be doing a lot of games yeah yeah i mean the travel isn't terrible for them uh, but it is you know that can take its toll on on in your on your body and mental well-being as well so Ontario and everything is in Ontario through the end of October, but excuse me, Ontario is a pretty big province. So getting around isn't They're going to get the their, uh, get their miles going up and down the, uh, 401. That's there, right. From yeah. Oakville to Cornwall, <laughs> back to Oakville. Yep. Yeah. Down to Niagara Falls too. And then, Hey, maybe they'll do a road trip back up to the Sioux. Why not? Eh? Why not? Eh? Get in, <laughs> yeah. get in. So we've seen the added, additions for those teams those two teams kind of in that middle looking to get those bursts who you'd expect to see at the national championships now scott let's talk about two up-and-coming teams one that we have seen the members of the team not necessarily together at the national championship and one we have seen at provincial championships a couple times not quite yet at a briar but let's start on the women's side with team skrillick they of course qualified last year out of Alberta, a crazy shot by Kayla Skrillick in those provincial championships. Big change to the lineup this year. So it's not the same team Skrillick, but they are looking to get that spot back in the Scotty's Tournament of Hearts. They are loaded up, Scott, as we have, as we talk right now. They've already played in two events the Alberta Tour mm-hmm. kickoff at the end of August, that Savile shootout out there in Edmonton. Their next event is going to be that points bet at the end of September. Then they have the Curlers Corner Autumn Gold Classic out in Calgary, another classic event that a lot of teams have played in. The Tour Challenge is next for them, and they will play in that independent of if it's Tier 1 or Tier 2. They they have a spot in that event. I think it will just depend on where they are in the rankings for which level it is. Then they're going to play at the end of October the Savile Grand Prix out in Edmonton, presumably also at the Savile. Then the Okotoks Curling Classic in mid-November before the Red Deer Curling Classic the following weekend. First weekend of December, they're going to be in Morris, Manitoba for the DeKalb Super Spiel. That's another regular feature on a lot of teams' schedule. 
Then mm-hmm. the following week, the curling stadium, Western curling showdown of curling in swift currents. Then the masters pending qualification. Then they have the Canadian open in January before the Alberta Scotty. So if Scott, they are able to qualify for the masters and the Canadian open, they will be playing in 12 events prior to those Alberta Scotties. And of course, if they make it into the national championship, they will have played in 13 events. Yeah. So this is obviously the most events of any team that we've talked about so far. And it makes sense, right? Uh, A younger team uh, looking to get experience and points and play against other top level teams. And if you want to do that, when you're not, when you don't have auto bids into grand slam level events, you just have to play in a lot of spiels for them. You know, that's what they're doing. They're doing what it takes. Uh, You need to have good sponsors for this. You need to be able to win some money at these spiels to help, uh, back up the investment that you're putting into your team and your game. But uh, it's the right way to go, in my opinion. What, what do you think, Sean? I like it. My concern is time off potentially, but I think they've actually structured it, it really well in that they're essentially playing two weekends in a row and then taking a week off. So mm-hmm. for the most part, there are some exceptions to that. But it, so it seems like they actually have a pretty good balance in terms of the time off and when they want to schedule their stuff. So I think this can work for them. And again, they're very young and have more energy than either of us. So I I think they'll be all right. I think so. Yeah, I think this will be good for them. But what about the men's team that's uh, doing the same thing? Yes. So I should say, too, that uh, Team Skrillic did win the... Uh, opening event there in Leduc. So off to a good start for them. But over on the men's side, let's talk about Aaron Slachinski and his team. They are also loaded up here for the 2023-2024 season. They played in the opening event in Leduc as the Team Skrillic. They also played in that Savile shootout this past weekend. Coming up this weekend, they're playing in the ACS Major out in Beaumont, Alberta, the Okotoks Classic. They are coming to Ontario for the points bet. So between now and the points bet, they have two events that they're playing in. Following the points bet, not taking really any time off, they're going back to Alberta to play in the McKee-Holmes Fall Classic out there in Airdrie before the Tour Challenge. Like Team Skrillic, they'll have a spot, just a question of Tier 1 or Tier 2. Then they're taking couple weeks off before the original 16 men's spiel in Calgary the following week at the Red Deer Curling Classic. They are set to play in that New Floors Curling Classic out in Penticton. Like Team Skrillic, they're also going to play in that Western Showdown in Swift Current in December. They have not put the slams on their schedule, but presumably they could qualify for the one there in December, but they don't have it on their schedule they are going to participate in the Aztec Safety Challenge show between the Western Showdown in December, taking some time off for the holiday break, that Aztec Safety Challenge. And then if they qualify for the slam, they'll play in it, of course. But they are currently scheduled to go down to Tempe, Arizona for the Golden Wrench Classic. That used to be a Team Carruthers staple 
that they are not yeah. playing in this year. But uh, a popular event, Schuster usually goes and plays in that. Uh, some of the American teams, I think Dropkin's been at it past couple of years. So that's a popular one because, well, it's Tempe, Arizona in January, and these people live in Alberta or in the case of Schuster, Minnesota. So why not go to Arizona in, go where it's in January? Uh, so that is their schedule, Scott. Before the Boston Pizza Cup in January, they will play in 13 events, potentially more if they get the points and get their rankings up to play in the Spiels. Or excuse me, in that's the Slams. In the Slams. That's pretty incredible, right? Uh, and we'll remember last year that uh, it was who was the wild card three last year? They qualified based on points earned at the golden ranch. Yeah. Karsten Sturme got, had a good result at the golden yeah. ranch, which I think they played in almost last minute. I, I thought I read that story that they figured, Oh, we're close enough. Maybe we should go play in that to kind of put us over the top. Yeah. And they had a nice result, got the points, got into the, break. yeah. And, and edged out uh, John Epping's team yeah. um, for points uh, for that third wild card spot. So uh, an important event. In, in you know remembering curling history and uh you know remembering ed wernick uh yeah. and what a great player he was but uh he I, he's not dead right i have yeah. to check that oh boy <laughs> <laughs> um i don't think so but uh anyway yeah this is like this is like rookies hustling kind of like listen we're a good team we know we're a good team we just need to play in the events and earn the points uh, to be able to show it on a bigger stage. Uh, and, and that this team is really good, Sean, this Lichinski team. Uh, if they were in another province, you know, they would be a multiple time Briar participant, yeah. you know, if they, if they were from PEI or, uh, maybe, maybe, uh, New Brunswick, something like that, they, they'd be in it, but yeah, this is, this is them saying, you know what, this is our time. We're going to go for it yep. and, uh, good on. Good on them for doing it. Yeah, more power to them. I, I do like these guys that I remember a couple of years ago, they were saying that they should have been the Alberta rep at the 2021 Briar because yeah. they had the most points on the Alberta circuit. And Botcher and Cooey were going to get wild card spots anyway, so might as well give it to us, which I like that. Yeah, I, yeah, I, I don't think I agree with that perspective, but I like it. I, I like the argument. So, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, so these guys are up and coming. Yeah, we, we should see them at the national level pretty soon. But 13 events before provincials, that is a lot. Like, you know, if if you look at, and maybe more too, right? If they have success early in the season, they will get spots in the slams potentially. Like if they win, say the Tour Challenge Tier 2, have a couple other good results, maybe go deep at the Mm -hmm. points bet, the Canadian Open is not out of the question. Yeah. Yeah, which would be pretty incredible. Like, yeah, yeah. I don't, I don't even remember a team playing that many events. Like, since we've been doing the podcast and we've yeah. been talking about schedules like that, yeah. I don't really remember. Maybe it's possible, but uh, yeah, it's pretty, pretty wild. Yeah, if they have good runs at some of these events, you could be looking at a hundred games. Yeah, 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 and you know that's something we see sometimes from the international teams that, yeah. you know, travel around because they don't have uh, the competition close to home that are just like, they're going to a bunch of different countries and trying to play in every event. Yeah. But uh, yeah, hundred, hundred games is a lot, yeah. a lot before you get to nationals. Like, yeah. 
Yeah, so you can just carry Anderson's playing in six before the Scotties and yeah. Skrillic, if she plays in, in the Scotties, will have played in 13. Right, Slichinski, yeah. if he gets to the Briar, will have played in 14 events. Gushu, nine. Right, so very different strategies here for these yep. teams. And very interesting to see how it'll play out over the course of the season and what happens in subsequent years. Do we see this trend continue where the younger teams are going to go heavy to get those points where the teams in the middle are going to be a little more active and the teams that have really established themselves are going to focus on the main events in order to mm-hmm. prioritize the national championships. We'll have to see and yeah, how it goes. This is the first year of this new system, but uh, you know, and, and certainly this is anecdotal. This doesn't represent all the teams, but an interesting trend that I saw when I was looking at the schedules. Yeah, it's very interesting. And it's, it's very interesting to see what effect this year's schedules will have on next year's automatic births yeah. uh, into those Scotties and Briar. So yeah. Uh, something we'll be keeping track of as the year goes on. Absolutely. So that'll do it, I think, for this week. We are back in the swing of things. I don't want to promise weekly episodes. That is the goal. But as we discovered over the summer, it wasn't always possible. So we will endeavor to do our best with weekly stuff over the course of the curling season. Our staples will still be there once we get into the the new year scotty's briar stuff worlds Mm -hmm. like we'll be around for that we'll talk about the slams when they come up and i'm hoping that we can find time to do some non on the ice talk as well some of the other things that we have to talk about that we didn't get a chance to talk about this summer uh we do have some stuff coming up uh that's kind of outside that realm that we're working on right now so hopefully the goal is weekly not going to promise it but that is the goal but sometimes things get in the way so We'll try yeah, our best. And Sean, I mean, it, it, it's really because you go to an office now and yeah. we can't record at 4.30 or 5 o'clock, uh, you know, when, you know, we get home I or we finish work yeah. in our home offices and just can flip right into this. So uh, I blame you is what, okay. <laughs> what I'm enough. saying. Fair enough. That's totally fair. So uh, so if you want to see what we come up with over the course of the season, do subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, likes, rates, comments. All that good stuff helps other people find the show, keeps us growing. Head on over to GameStonespod.com, past episodes there. You can click on the merch. You got the hats, the toques, hoodies, all that good stuff is there. And we uh, would encourage you if you're interested in any of it to go ahead and and purchase something i'm going to go in and get a new hoodie for this curling season so i'm excited to look at the new options because we changed the supplier since the last one i bought so i'm excited yeah in there sean i think there's new colors too yeah that's what i'm excited about i'm thinking blue but i want to look at the colors maybe red i don't know Ooh, a red one so i'm gonna go to the site right now and check it out all right so uh so head on over there to uh, gamestonespod.com and you can of course follow along with all the fun and frivolity we are gamestonespod twitter instagram and gamestonespodcast on facebook and if you want to reach out let us know what you want to hear questions anything like that gamestonespodcast at gmail.com scott you are on the site now what are you seeing okay i'm going to premium hoodie that's right premium yeah colors black navy maroon 
charcoal heather and carbon gray. Okay. Maroon. Maroon. That sounds good. Yeah. But you know, if you believe what Billy Porter taught us in kinky boots, maroon, it's not, not where it's at. Maroon is not where it's at. No, he has a whole song that is based off of the fact that they show him maroon boots and how he cannot be part of part of this plan. Not good. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But maybe I'll buy a maroon one because I have the other colors. We do. We do have um, mustard t-shirts now. Ooh. uh, Burnt orange. Okay. Oh, I should get an orange one. Athletic Heather. Okay. Blue, red. Anyway. Uh. They look good. Wow. Go check them out. So I guess athletic Heather is different from the nerd Heather. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> well, black Heather is like uh, a dark Heather. Yeah. And then athletic Heather is gray Heather, like a light gray. Oh, okay. Go for it. Yeah, go for it. Yeah, the differences are are minor but major at the same time. So uh, I I will go. I will check that stuff out. Scott, since we last talked, the baseball season is in the stretch run. I'll give you 20 seconds to yell about the Blue Jays. Score some runs. (laughs) You know, they they said, oh, Sean, we're focusing more on run prevention now instead of run creation. Well, you know what? Run creation is way more fun to watch than run prevention. Uh, anyway, that's it. All right. Well, there's two weeks left in that season, so we will all follow along, see what happens, and we'll see what happens as the curling season gets into gear as we are back at it. So thanks for listening so much, everybody. We'll be back with you again hopefully next week. But until then, keep those brooms on the ice and don't dump that intern. Make the final.